Right, so um, hi, this is Kirsten Chick. This is another episode of the Nutrition Brought to Life podcast. So we're on series two. Um, and in most of the episodes on series two, I'm talking to some really inspiring people who bring nutrition to life in their own ways. And today I have with me Mitchy Alexander of uh, Brighton Grub Hub. Um, providing fresh organic produce to households that don't normally have access to them, which I think is really super important. So, Mitchie, tell me all about the Brighton Grubhub project. What's it all about? Hello. So we started um, coming up to two years ago now. I was uh, working for a charity project called CHOMP at the time, uh, working with low-income families, providing school holiday sessions for um, families with activities and a hot lunch. And it came sort of apparent to me then that um, households on low incomes find it very hard to access fresh, nutritious um, produce uh, for several reasons. One is affordability, another is just the lack of access to, to fresh goods you, you know if you if you live in one of the outer lying estate areas in the city you've probably just within walking distance you just have a corner shop that has um, a real lack of fresh vegetables you might be able to buy like three carrots in wrapped in polystyrene and, and not not a lot else so that's when um i came sort of thought of the idea how great it would be to grow vegetables to then um, to then donate to food banks, so that that's how it started. I managed to successfully um, get a plot up at Stamn Organics um, that um, that was back in October 2020, and th- we're currently now in our second year of growing vegetables to donate to food banks. Fabulous! So you've come a long way in two years, haven't you? Um, from that yeah. kind of first idea to where you are now. So who, who are you mostly supplying at the moment? So it's all Brighton-based projects, presumably. Yes, yeah. yeah, so um, mostly food banks. So there's we've been providing um, Brighton Food Bank with uh, vegetables and also a Voices in Exile Food Bank, the Black and um, Ethnic Minorities Food Bank, um, and also uh, we've been providing like the chomp projects with um, vegetables um, in, w- once in a while, but especially if we have, um, if, if I know a day when the, the chomp projects are having a session and we're sort of harvesting the day before, then I, I, I can harvest for chomp families as well. And the families are always really grateful to take home a bag of um, you know, exciting vegetables some of which you can't actually buy in the supermarkets anyway. <laughs> what kind of vegetables? Well, one of our specialities has to be rainbow chard, which is really easy to grow in our climate. And um, and you just, it's a cut and come again vegetable. So you, you cut the sort of um, the, the large sort of outer leaves and, um, um, and then, you know, within, Within weeks or when the, in the middle of the summer, it's within days, you have a, a new fresh load of veg leaves grow. So, so it's great. So that's one of our, that's one of our favorites. We also grow things like, um, um, like today at the, the plot, we're harvesting um, a couple of beds worth of pachoy, 
which is a, an oriental leafy green that grows really quickly. Within a couple of weeks, you'll have these lovely green leaves. And again, that's a cut and come again veg. So we'll cut the leaves today. And then um, by next, next week, we should have a whole nother um, batch of yummy green leaves to then donate to um, Brighton Food Bank, probably. That's brilliant. So you've got... This must be quite tricky to manage, actually, because you've you've got different um, things being ready to eat at different times of year. You can't predict what the harvests are going to be like, what the weather's going to be like. I mean, farmers have had this problem forever. Um, but how does that work with matching up with donating to food banks? Does that make it easier or trickier? Well, so various food banks are open on um, various days for donations. So, so we, we have to sort of get the timing right. And, and also, you know, there's only really a handful of volunteers at the moment. So, so we have to coordinate where, when people are available to help with harvesting. So what we've discovered now, and because it's weather dependent as well, I mean, I wouldn't like... Um, uh, like if it was really high winds, for example, it, it would be a bit dangerous to sort of um, be on the plot because it's surrounded by trees. And and also if it was heavy rain, then, you know, I don't want to put the volunteers off from ever coming back. So, so if it's bad weather, then we'll cancel the volunteer session. So what we do now is we, um, we don't sort of promise promise a harvest so we just sort of we, we can phone up in the morning and say okay we're coming this afternoon with um with such and such kilo of um leafy greens for you and that that's how we sort of work so it's um um yeah yeah so it's kind of as and when available really in an ideal yeah. world we'd have um lots and lots of volunteers and then we we, we could sort of you know be delivering on a daily basis but uh Maybe in a couple of years' time. <laughs> That's well, we'll we'll um, we'll come back to that in our second chat. We'll talk about you know what you need, what you're looking for in terms of volunteers. So, if anyone's listening and thinking, "Oh, I'm local to Brighton, and that sounds like something I might want to get involved in." Well, keep listening and and tune into the next parts as well, and you'll find out more about that. Um, with, the, with how did you get in touch with the food hubs? Are there particular food hubs that are easier to work with, or that are, what what was your rationale in choosing which food hubs to work with? Well, I was familiar with various um, food banks because of um, um, my sort of three years working with the Chomp project. Um, so, so it was really um, approaching the various food banks and um and sort of matching up what what days they were open for donations with what days we were able to harvest really and um we did speak to um i recall a conversation last year with whitehawk food bank that said um at the time they were okay for um they were already getting sort of veg donations and um so they said that, uh, no please please um, donate to Voices in Exile Food Bank, um, who are sort of working in the same area at the time um, instead. So, so, so that's nice. I think food banks are quite honest with, with, um, with um, you know, you know who, who to support. And yeah, so. They're all communicating with each other and. Yes, yeah, mostly. I, I think some, um, some food banks, um, some food banks are more linked in, I think, with the city and other food banks and others. There's some sort of food banks that are very much run by 
they're sort of just a small handful of volunteers and they serve their community and and um, and you'll send them an email and, and you'll get a reply sort of in a week. But whereas there's other food banks like Brighton Food Bank that um, that they do service a large area and they, they have a couple of paid staff along with their volunteers. So you can call them at any time and they'll generally sort of, you know, respond within within the hour. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. But it's great because they, they do look after a lot of people. Yeah. And um, it's all fresh produce you're supplying as well. So can they all handle working with fresh produce? Yeah, so that's so, so take someone like um, Brighton Food Bank. They have they have um, clients coming to them Mondays, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So as long as we can deliver over those three days um, and they, they've got sort of cold areas um, and a lot of clients, so you can deliver 10 kilos of veg and, and you know um, they'll all be going to, the veg will be going to their new homes, you know, within 24 hours. Other food banks, I recall um, having a conversation once with like Bevingdean Food Bank and they only operate on a Wednesday morning. So unless you could get a harvest to them, sort of, um you know, it's sort of, you know, nine o'clock in the morning, then it would be tricky. And they also have a lack of sort of storage facilities. So, um, yeah, I think also it's an exercise. I think food banks are starting to take more fresh produce now, because I know a couple of years ago, hardly any of the food banks would take fresh produce. They were only, they were asking for donations of just tins and packaged goods, but, you know, the clients of food banks are, are saying, you know, how, how much they'd appreciate green, fresh food more. So, so I think yeah. all the food banks are slowly coming around to the, you know, to knowing what people actually want to eat. Which is, you know, which is brilliant. And it's fantastic that they've got people like you supplying amazing produce. In, in part two, we'll talk a bit more about the plot and, and what's coming out of that. And that everything that you're doing is certified organic. And um, that that's just brilliant. But also a little bit of me is a bit sad about that because if feed banks are having to get a lot more organised, so surely that's a sign of, you know, how... Um, they're becoming increasingly necessary and there's more of them and more needed. Have you noticed that? Yes, people are saying that the, the food bank's um, client list is, is growing and, um, and it's also um, people in work are having to use food banks now as once upon a time it was people that were just dependent on um, benefits but, but now even people with um, full-time jobs are having to uh, access food banks and this is only going to increase with, with the the the, um, the fuel crisis that we're in at the moment and that's set to get even worse I believe in October yeah yeah so it's um, looking pretty grim isn't it yes so I think you know if, um, for a, a very low income household you suddenly get your fuel bill in that's you know that that's your entire that's your food budget gone as well so yeah, and as fuel bills get higher, the, the food in the supermarkets going to get, and in, in the corner shops is going to get more expensive as well. And food banks are um, they they're not supported by the government at all, so there are no government funded food banks. Right. So so all the food banks are run independently. They're, they're all charities, community organisations. 
and um, I think some food banks um, you know as they grow they sort of you know they're good at attracting funding because um, they're quite well organized but other food banks that they're just run by local communities and they don't they rely totally on donations and and volunteer staff so um, yes so hopefully in the future we can see the government starting to support food banks but mm. at, at the moment they don't wow so when you see all of those photo opportunities with mps going down to the local food banks and shaking hands and having buffets and things it's yeah, yeah yes. <laughs> even more appalling mm. <laughs> okay so um but you know one of the things that um brings me hope is that there are so you know there are people like you running um things like this um that that just really help there and there are you know lots of people up and down the country around the world that are running initiatives um how do you find the energy and the time and the patience and the motivation that you need for all of that <laughs> um oh <laughs> that's um uh yeah i just do i i'm the sort of um person that i i liked i i kind of believe if you if you if you just plow through and open the door then others will join in and the momentum will sort of grow and that's my sort of philosophy in life i i sort of just um I just, um, you know, grab opportunities and, and get them started. And then and then things just sort of happen. Uh, people come along and help. And and I think that's that I think that's that's the key is to just to get things started. Mm -hmm. And that gets the ball rolling. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, well done. Absolutely well done, because, you know, like I said, this is this podcast is about um, people who bring nutrition to life. And you can't do that if you can't get access to the nutrients in the first place. And that, you know, what you're doing is fundamental. You're bringing nourishment to 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 people that should really have access to it and don't. So thank yeah. you for that. Um, so let's let's wrap up for this episode and let's come back and talk more um, about the the plot itself and Stammer Organics um, and also the, the level of volunteers that you have and, and what you're looking for. So I look forward to that little chat. Thanks for joining me today, Mitchie, and speak to you soon. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Nutrition Brought to Life podcast. There's also a Facebook group you can join called Nutrition Brought to Life podcast community, where you can share useful insights and recipes, ask questions and get more support on your nutrition journey. If you haven't read it yet, there's so much more in the book, Nutrition Brought to Life. And you can find out more about me at kirstenchick.com.